This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, it's our aim to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter in your everyday holy life. And during this shutdown and COVID-19 pandemic, as racial violence has flared, as our nation in America particularly has been even more fragmented and polarized, we're talking about emotional health as we conclude season three. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. Angelie Pascal is the founder of the Moms We Love Club, and she writes regularly for Encourage. She just recently came out with her very first book called Stay, Discovering Grace, Freedom, and Wholeness Where You Never Imagined Looking. She's a friend down the road from me in San Diego. She's a pastor's wife, spiritual director, and mom of five, and is just such a breath of fresh air. You will enjoy this conversation. We talk about what does it mean to stay in some of these hard feelings, as well as what do we do with that right now, right in this moment in history. So listen in. Here's my conversation with Anjali. Friends, it is really fun to welcome one of my in real life friends, Anne Julie Pascal. She's down in San Diego. I'm a little bit up the road in Orange County. She just came out with a fabulous book called Stay at the end of March. And so we're going to talk about some of the themes in the book as well as where we are currently with the crazy pandemic and racism. It's going to be really fun, I promise. <laughs> so, and it's so good to have you. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me. It's so it's so fun to connect with you. Yes. So I'm so excited to welcome you to my listeners' lives. Um, so tell us just a little bit about where your book came from. What is the message of Stay? Yeah, well, first of all, Ashley, thank you for endorsing my book. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. It means so much to me. Um, well, so Stay was really born out of a circumstance in my life where I was running and running and running. I think a lot of us can relate to that idea um, of not really just the physical running, but emotionally running from what was going on inside of me. And it was probably the season when on the outside, I looked great. I was in seminary. I was working at a church. I was doing all the right things. And yet I was um, completely miserable on the inside um, depressed, anxious. Um, and I hit this wall. I came to this point where it's like, if this was, is what Christianity is about, yeah. you know, I'm doing everything right, but I'm totally a mess inside. Like I don't really want anything to do with this anymore. Yeah. And so I had, at this point in my life, I had the opportunity to do a three week retreat. So I was 21 days in this cabin off the mm-hmm. coast of Washington mm-hmm. where I was alone all by myself. It was this moment where it was like, basically God got a hold of me. It was like, no, you are going to stop running from your fear, your pain, Mm. your trauma, your past, and you're going to deal with it. Yeah. And so I did. It was this time where I was like facing all, all the demons and facing all the dark thoughts and experiences to the point where when I left after 21 days, I think I was, I was a different 
person internally. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, the stay was really born out of that experience where I kind of, I really wanted to integrate what happened in my time at that cabin into regular life. Yeah. Because, because I know not everyone can do a 21 day isolated <laughs> retreat, right. although COVID kind of feels like that, <laughs> yeah. but, but it was really this moment where it's like, how, what does this look like to stay with my everyday aches and pain mm. when I'm driving carpool, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm shopping at Target, you know? Yes. So it, it really transformed that way. How did you get the courage to choose to stay? Or was I, it that like, at the, you know, it was like the ultimatum of either yes. I stay or like all I know I'm going to have to chuck out the window. Uh, that was it. Yeah. It was kind of an ultimatum. I, I know you're not really supposed to do those <laughs> when people, people are God, but I did. It was like, it, I remember very clearly, if this doesn't work, if this retreat doesn't work, like I'm done. Yeah. And so, um, it really propelled me. It was, and I gave myself to it. It was like I'm going all in. That's awesome. Yeah, because I want to know that I gave it everything I could. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you practice staying? You know, it, whether it's in our uncomfortable emotions. I know most of us probably during this kind of stay at home order have had a really hard time probably staying right in our emotions. You know, to work through them and process them. It's easier to stuff them or chuck them or Um, you know, vent them on people. What kind of practices have you found to be helpful to stay in your emotions and to stay in your moment with people and with God? Yeah. Well, I think it was really helpful to begin to realize that emotions aren't bad. They're not your enemy. They're not not dangerous. And we live very uh, disintegrated lives. So we have, you know, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and we, the social, we we kind of make all these categories. And I, and I found that I was like, oh wait, no, it's all integrated. That's wholeness. Yeah. Being an integrated integrity. Mm -hmm. And so um, some practice, you know, the most common practice that helps me in really what this is, is a spiritual discipline of yeah. staying is that staying is not just when I'm by myself three hours alone on the couch with a candle and a Bible, right. but staying is being attentive to God and my emotions and where I am physically. So in that, I find the greatest gift for me is the power of resistance. And resistance can tell you so much about what's really going on in your soul. And so, right, this moment, even Ashley right now, yeah, what are, yeah. you, what are right. you resistant to doing? Right. What is the, and, and I can say that there's some things where it's like, I really don't want to do the dishes right now. Right. If I look in my kitchen, there's a massive amount of dishes, right? So that's a small thing, right? right? Is like, uh, Oh, I'm resistant to doing that. And, and that can even uh, come up as frustration, mm-hmm. which is, I, am I the only one who cares? Right. Right. So right. that's the, that's the deeper issue we're getting at. Right. Feelings are just gifts that point us to what's really going on in the condition of our mm-hmm. heart. And so mm-hmm. then there's larger ones. Like when I get um, an email and the person's name pops up and it's like, Ooh, I don't want to open that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that resistance? Right. And paying attention because that resistance is a gift to you. Right. And then there's larger things, right, of trauma, right? Big trauma, littler traumas, but trauma is trauma. And when we have trauma and have experienced it, we get very stuck there. Yeah. 
until we move through it and find healing. So mm-hmm. resistance really is, right, yeah. where is that trauma where we are stuck? Yeah. What recommendations do you have too, you know, as we go through some of those questions? How do we bring people into that That's in the great. moment? Yeah. You know, I really don't, I really don't think we have the capacity to really stay with others until we can really stay with ourselves and God. Yeah. And so this work, this practice, this, it's really making space for us to have anger, fear, anxiety, and finding that God, I love the image um, where God pulls out a a chair at the table of our soul Mm -hmm. and invites us to stay with him just as we are. Mm -hmm. And when we find that, 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 um, that love and intimacy, we actually are able to then make space for others, for them to come into our world and for us to enter theirs. Right. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, we've lost that ability. Like culturally, we see that in the news right now. We're recording of um, during this shelter in place and stay at home orders. A few, you know, states are beginning to open up. Um, we've seen increased racial tension and violence, pr- police brutality, um, protests going on, uh, particularly occasioned from the death of George Floyd. And so we, we've lost kind of the sense of being able to even begin to enter someone else's pain, I feel like, you know, as, as a nation. So let's, let's, let's go there. <laughs> yeah, let's go there. <laughs> yeah. And you're Asian American is how you yeah. identify. So for you as an Asian American woman, what does that look like? You know, how do you engage where we are right now? How do you stay? Yeah. It can get real messy really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think staying provides and creates space for people to be really messy. Mm-hmm. Because I think for many of us, and I'll speak for myself uh, being Asian American. So my dad is Thai, mm-hmm. but I was born here. And my mom actually grew up in India. So she's very Asian-minded, Yeah, uh, even though she has white skin. Yeah, but she thinks more Asian, right? Um, than not. Yep. So I think what really um, has felt like love for me mm-hmm. is when someone even says, "Tell me your experience." Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, uh, let me be first say that has rarely happened. Actually, yeah. That someone has said, "What has it been like for you?" Hmm. Um, and, and honestly, when someone does, it kind of catches me off guard because yeah. it's like, oh, uh, does this person really want to know? Right. Uh, or are they just asking because they should ask? Or I'm going to just come a little and then see if they get bored, you know? Right. It's a very vulnerable thing. Yeah. When you ask someone to tell you, hey, what is your experience? You're, you're ba- in about something as... Um, tender and sensitive as race. Yeah. It's going right. It's like, tell me your deepest, darkest wound. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, so, yeah. and expose but, it and let's talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We have to start by acknowledging like that's a big thing to ask somebody. Yeah. And it's a courageous thing to ask someone. And if you're gonna ask someone that, be prepared uh to make space for them, to not have complete sentences, to not have an answer, to have it not figured out, to be angry, to be confused, yeah. mm-hmm. like all of that. And and be prepared to not have to you don't have to fix it. 
you don't have to have an answer. You don't have yeah. to tie it up with a bow. You don't have to have a, well, Jesus is the answer. You know, right. like, right. like you just have to, honestly, it's really, it takes a lot of courage to stay with someone yeah. as they process their identity. Yeah. And what their, what shaped their identity, what, what, what suffocated their identity, you know? Mm. So mm. I think right now it's, uh, and we kind of mentioned this before we started recording, but it's, it's almost so sensitive that you don't want to ask what's your experience. Been right. Like? Because yeah. I don't want to get it wrong. I'm right. Too, I don't yeah. want to mess it up, you know? And I think we have to get past that and say, yeah, I, I, I might ask this question wrong. Right. But I yeah. want to ask anyway. Yeah. Because I care about you. Right. And I want to know you. Right. And just to even say, okay, you know, there's things that me, right, as a white woman is just blind to because of the privilege I've had walking around in white skin, right? You know, and so to even be willing to listen to to some of those wounds, even if you didn't inflict them on someone, right, but to realize I'm still the recipient um, of a lot because of, you know, where you were born and the color of your skin. There's so many different things, right? Yeah, and to realize every single every single story is different. Yeah, and it's so easy to be like, "Oh, well, they're Asian American, so they all have this experience." No, right? every yeah. single Asian, yeah, from any country, born in any time, in any state, in yeah. any city, in any family, has actually a very unique story now mm-hmm. they might have shared experiences yeah like oh oh yeah I felt that too but everyone's story is unique and so whole like just holding our hands so open and it's in vulnerability really because it's it's vulnerable to ask it's vulnerable to listen it's vulnerable to speak mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what's come up with you and your story in relation to the racialized violence in our nation now? Yeah. I am so struck. And this is, I think, and okay, first thing that comes to mind is I'm finding a hard place. I'm finding a hard time how to view my place in all of this. Yeah. One, because I'm not white. Yeah. And because I'm not black. Right. And so when I hear and see, you know, white privilege in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, is that me? Yeah. I'm not white, but I'm also privileged. Yeah. You know? Right. So it's an interesting thing. It's again, this tension of like, I got to fit somewhere. Right. I got to fit in one category and it, and I don't. Yeah. And I don't know if any of us completely fit into one category, but Really, that's what I am processing. So I'm, when I'm reading, when I'm trying to stay educated, when I'm trying yeah. to engage um, honestly in the conversation, I feel like a little bit of a misfit. Yeah. Huh, where do where do I belong? And you know, really, um, I, I, mean, I can't think of the police officer's name, but he yeah. was Asian American. Yeah. Uh, the one that just yeah. kind of watched as, yeah. as George, uh, yeah. the other cops... He stood on the sidelines kind of watching, but didn't do anything. And it was really one of the first wow. times I had seen Asian American commit a racist, a, a full on obvious racist act. Yeah. And it was so interesting. It really, it, 
it honestly took me back because most of my life I've been able to say, oh, well, white yeah. people have been racist. Right. You yeah. know, it was, right. it was just like, there's almost like a the yeah. association where it's like, oh, now, now I'm under that umbrella. Yeah. You know, so it was we are, like, mean, we are all culpable, you know, and yeah. I think it's so easy. We, we try to take any out, right? Like, like all of us, right? As human beings under the fall are culpable of racism. And even if we're not perpetuating something like overtly. Yeah. And it's hard. Like, uh, uh, where we are in this current moment, there's this, um, desire to listen and it's hard. Listening is not easy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm having to listen to myself and I'm asking mm. myself questions I never asked before mm. Mm. and looking at situations where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be guilty. Yeah. I am. Yeah. And it's this repenting and lamenting and it's like, oh, it's good, but it's painful. Right. That's so true. Friends, we will be right back with the rest of our conversation with Angelie Pascal in just a minute. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible? or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Friends, right before we get back to my conversation, just wanted to let you know about a special offer. If you go over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy, you'll get a 10% discount on your very first counseling session, which is so great as we consider all of these things surrounding emotional health. That's getfaithful.com slash findingholy for your discount. And here's the rest of our conversation. I want the church to be better. I want the church. I want the church to lament. I want the church to be able to have hard conversations. You know, I want a, the church to actually be a place where we can say, "Yeah, I'm doing it wrong." You know, but like, tell me your story. Like, you have brown skin. You have black skin. I have white skin. Like, how has that affected your identity? How does it affect how you relate to God? Do you feel welcome or not welcome in the church? What can we do about it? Yeah. Do you find that? the church is rising? I hope so. I pray so. You know, I am praying that, you know, this pandemic will be the death of consumer Christianity. And so those who are left will be, will be fortified to do the hard work of paying attention. You know, that is, that is my prayer. Yeah. And and it's it's also this tricky place where I want to see the church rise in a beautiful way of, it's so easy to put, let me talk about these categories, put racism in categories of politics. Right. And um, 
I feel like the church has been real guilty of that. Yeah. Like making church about politics instead yeah. of making it about Jesus. And yeah. I really would love to see the church rise up beyond that. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, you as a fellow pastor's wife too, like you've probably lost people because of, you know, things you've said or your husband said or, you know, about, you know, trying to say that there's actually a third way, right? That the gospel is not either Republican or Democrat. Um, And so, you know, when people hold very strong opinions on one side or the other to say, like, I can only be a part of this thing if... I 100% agree with you, but like no one 100% agrees with anyone, <laughs> but we want to learn how to be a community, right? Yes, that is, you just, I just keep thinking, God, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. What's happening? So yeah, how have you fortified kind of what practices maybe are you doing or as a family um, to be able to stay kind of in this moment in history and stay with God through just the turmoil, right? You know, those, yeah. those hard questions you were talking about, even asking yourself yeah. about your complicity. Totally. I, I mean, it's been a long season now, Ashley. We're looking at how many weeks of yeah. quarantine. I don't even I mean, know. Over, I've, I've lost count. <laughs> yeah, we're going on like four months. Yeah. And, um, and so we are doing our best to keep some rhythms I mean, not perfect, but we'll try. I mean, so I have five kids, so I'm trying to connect. We try and do something as a family in the morning. Yeah. It's like a really simple reading. Yeah. Um, we really don't even sit around the table all together until dinner. Yeah. So those are the two main connections. Yeah. So we do some sort of reading in the morning and then dinner around the table at nighttime. Um, and, you know, my prayer, Ashley, through all of this is, I mean, my oldest is 13, so it's 13, 11, eight, I think, eight, six, and two. Yeah. And so I am just like, Lord, God, can we, can I, my husband, Mm. pass the baton Mm. and bring more healing than my parents did Mm. to me? Mm. And so, I mean, I'm trying to have conversations with at least the older two that my parents never had with me. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, I'm going to talk about it. And I want to talk with my husband so that I know that the kids can hear us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want yeah. them to hear what a healthy conversation looks like. Yeah. I want them to hear what disagreeing looks like in love. And yeah. um, so I'm really like, God, may we model love mm. for them, even mm. when we don't have the right words or actions to, that always follow that. But God, like, let's, let's bring a little more healing to this next generation. Yeah. And it can start, yeah, around our dinner tables. And I think that's so important because I think sometimes we're like, we have to go do all these big things, right? And yeah. um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> Probably not most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, that's, that's so great. Um, what encouragement would you have for our listeners? Um when they're finding themselves, you know, ready to go shopping or to watch a hundred episodes of Netflix or scroll on Instagram or yeah, eat all the food or, you know, whatever it is um, that we run to for comfort to practice staying um, in their own lives. Yeah. If it's to, you know, engage some of those hard questions you're talking about, about race and identity or to 
you know, think about how do I enter someone else's pain? How do I model healing for my children? There's so many big things, you know, how do we yeah. even just in the moment, I think the resistance yeah. question is really great, but any other kind of practical things that we could implement to pay attention a little bit better? Yeah, I, uh, I really think the most important spiritual discipline is honesty. Honesty, 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 like pure, raw, authentic, down to the bone honesty. <laughs> yeah. And so I would say if, if you want to scroll on Instagram, be honest about that. Yeah. God, I just want to scroll on Instagram and I know you're here with me and I know you love me. And there's a part of my heart, God, where I just want to escape. Yeah. God, I'm just going to, I just, I want to eat ice cream. And I know I'm using that to fill something that feels empty inside of me. Yeah. But God, I know you're here. I know you love me. So I guess what I'm saying, Ashley, is the goal is not to uh, do something to get to another feeling or do something to get somewhere else. Right. It's really about God, the Holy Spirit is with you always. And he is always at work in the deepest parts of your heart to bring healing and redemption. Mm -hmm. And so our, our role is we get to participate that in that. And yeah. that is through opening our hearts. Like, God, you're here. Even when I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say practice the discipline of honesty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. And hopefully that will lead us into some more compassion yes, with our I neighbors so. too. I hope so. Well, I love to ask all my guests at the end of every episode what their laundry routine is. So what is your laundry routine? <laughs> and the reason I ask this is because, yeah, like, you know, we can be like, oh, like there's these big problems, race and our emotions. And like, how do we connect the dots between spirituality and our everyday lives? But um, oh, we all have laundry is, to do. And part of that, I think, is a good window. Oh, so funny. Is this an indicator of how we deal with our spiritual and emotional <laughs> lives? I don't know. Because Maybe I'm in serious trouble. <laughs> yeah. Maybe my okay. next book should just be like, here's everybody's laundry routines from the podcast. <laughs> I just and read a book means, on laundry. <laughs> and what it means about your spiritual life. Yes. Yeah. Be, it'd be like okay. a new Enneagram. Right? <laughs> okay. So this is funny. I'm definitely an Enneagram three. Yeah. And laundry to me is, is like something that is so low on my priority list because it, it never produces anything. Right. Except it's an endless cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to know, I'm telling you what yeah. I do. Yeah. I have kids. Yep. Here you go. I don't touch laundry for two weeks and then I dump it all out. And what I do is I don't sort them by yep. colors or fabric. I just pick them up and throw them all into the washing machine. Yep. And sometimes as I'm going through them, I see clean clothes. <laughs> right. Who did that? I see, just... I see the clean clothes. Yep. And it's, sometimes they're still on the hanger. And that makes my life easier. I just put that in the other basket. That's yep. going right back into the closet. It feels yeah. like I've accomplished something, really. <laughs> like, sweet. Uh, Freebies. Yes. And uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's so fun. I love it. I love hearing everybody's laundry routines. But thank you so much, Ange, for being a good friend, for staying in it, and for being here with us. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Angelie Pascal. 
I'd encourage you to follow her on Instagram at lovealways.angeli, as well as the Moms We Love Club, and pick up a copy of her book, Stay. We would love it, too, if you haven't heard all of the most recent episodes. The last several have been on emotional health, anxiety, suffering and trauma, loss, waiting, lots of big topics, but I promise there is a lot of laughter and they're really practical. I want to leave you with one small step to take into your week from some of this conversation we had about staying in our emotions, and it's this. Take a five-minute resistance check-in. It's great to do it in the moment when we find that we are not paying our bills or we're resistant to doing the laundry or the dishes, but maybe it's right after you brush your teeth at night and ask yourself the question, where was I resistant? What made me angry or sad or frustrated? And bring that resistance to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is the gift in that so that you can know yourself better and so that you can know God better. Tag me at AA Hales. I'd love to know what you are resisting. This has been such a fun third season of the Finding Holy podcast. We're going to take a few weeks break. And when we return, we're going to have guests like Scott Sauls, D.L. Mayfield, W. David O. Taylor, and many more as we talk about the upside down kingdom and what does it look like right now in this moment of time with increased political polarization and pandemic worries, along with divisiveness and racial tension. Could you just take a second and subscribe to the Finding Holy podcast and share an episode with a friend? That will help us to continue to create good, deep conversations because all of these big things matter. But so does the laundry. We'll see you in a few weeks. Happy folding. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.